1: This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fauci, Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex. If I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call your top three, colors top three, look at the switch from Buddy here, now that boy got three, we got Holly Burton running point, this is a Benedict
2: for the shot, if anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the plot, setting the pace, going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top, this is your number one
1: podcast, sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop, smooth. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and here we have the one that feels snubbed, Michael J. Fachi. Talk to me about this snubbing that happened today. Oh
3: man, what a snub, and it hurt even more to dive into the specifics and see it was by one vote, and that is Andrew Nemhard. Andrew Nemhard not being on the all-rookie second team and then finding out it was by one vote, it pained me. And mm-hmm. I don't want to bury the lead because we do have a lot to celebrate. But while we're on the subject of Nemhard, I mean Alex, we broke down some of the voting. Sorry, East is getting two first place votes. I don't know about that. I mm-hmm. really don't. And the other Jalen Williams, and yes, it's rough to be called the other Jalen Williams. He got a first place vote. Things like that make a difference in the end. Andrew Nemhard, very deserving to be on that second team. I'll let you comment back on that before we get into who the first
1: team yeah so real quick everybody knows that I got a soft spot in my heart for Tari Eason and this is someone I really wanted the Pacers to draft last year I had him in like my top seven I think at one point for like players I wanted the Pacers to go out realistically and get and he got two first place votes and I'm sorry but that is or first team votes and I'm sorry but that's just crazy I mean for the type of season that all these other players had above him Really, the only six, in my opinion, that should have got first-place votes were Jaden Ivey, Benedict Mathern, Keegan Murray, Walker Kessler, Jalen Williams, and Paulo Boncaro. Tari Eason, the only reason he won this is because he got those, because Andrew Nimhardt actually got a total of uh, 46 votes compared to Tari Eason, who only got a total of 45. But because he got two first-place votes, he ends up getting the edge by one stinking vote. And let's be honest here. Tari Eason was in and out of the starting lineup. Andrew Nembhard was a full-time starter and was guarding the opponent's best player almost every single game. And I just feel like because maybe he didn't have the flashiest stuff, but he had like the some of the flashiest moments for any of the rookies this year, having the game winner against the Lakers and then taking Steph and the Warriors down in Golden State like pretty much back-to-back games or back-to-back it was on the same road trip. I mean, it's just crazy that he didn't actually make it. So, you know, I just I just felt like that was a major snubbing here and personally like I know Jalen Dern and I know Jabari Smith and Jeremy Sohan had good years. Don't get me wrong. They deserve it. But some of this voting is just all over the place, Fachi, because if you go up and tally the votes, Benedict Matherin got left off someone's ballot for both first and second team. Keegan Murray got left off of three ballots. So I think some of the voting here is just ridiculously stupid. And I'm just going to encourage anybody that votes in the Pacers market, don't vote with your head, (laughs) vote with your heart. Because if Andrew Nimhard gets one first-place vote, this thing is tied. So yeah. just just think about that. If somebody from the Pacers, like writers, would have just put him on first team. Because like, apparently it doesn't matter. Because like you said, Jalen Williams got a first-place vote. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp got a, got a second-place vote. Mark Williams, Dyson Daniels, Malachi Branham, they got second-place votes. It's like, this is just ridiculous. Some of these guys should not seriously be in consideration for the votes that they got.
3: No it's just it's all over the place I do think they need to be more strict with the votes uh it's just very unfortunate because look sorry very good player I think he could be real good in this league the Houston Rockets they didn't play a lick of defense all year that team was horrific Nemhard was someone that I I think was the steal of the draft I think when you look at this whole list I mean you're talking about he was the guy that was the second round pick so I would have loved to have seen him on the all-rookie second team. I think that would have been so special for him. But but let's also get to what was very special. That's Benedict Matherin on the all-rookie first team. I know there was this big debate. You had guys like J.J. Redick leaving him off first team. And that started to then become contagious where all of a sudden everybody just started not like talking down on Matherin, but like hyping up players like Jay Niavi, who's a very good player as well. Mm -hmm. But it's just weird because I, it's not even a hot take, but before the year started, we made a bold prediction. And I made the prediction. I said that if Benedict Mathur would be on the all-rookie first team It would be the first Indiana Pacers to do it since Rick Smith in the 1988-89 season. And that just sounds so crazy to say <laughs> that you and I have not seen an all-rookie first team on the Pacers in our, our lifetime. Yeah. And we and we and we and some others have the nerve to potentially critique Benedict Mathin from time to time. It's crazy because it's like it just shows that as as fans, it's never good enough. And this player is most definitely good enough. He's special.
1: Yeah, and I think I I think one thing that we need to just talk about quickly is how this how this vote played out because, like you said, we all thought this was going to be close. Yes, and. Unfortunate or actually unfortunately for Jaden Ivey, but fortunately for Benedict Matherin, he got 71 first team votes where Jaden Ivey only got 43. So he ended up beating him in total points 170 to 142. So it was a bit of a landslide there for me anyway. Like just seeing him win by a total of 28 points is a big difference here because I thought we might see a snubbing of Benedict Matherin on the first team for Jaden Ivey, but my biggest concern was Jaden Ivey played a bunch of garbage minutes. With the Detroit Pistons team oh, that had every intention of tanking, where Benedict Matherin was coming off the bench, was getting benched in games when he wasn't you know doing the right things, where Jaden Ivey is just having the the keys to the kingdom to do whatever he wants. And the numbers look really good for, for Jaden Ivy for it. But you know, I I I hate doing this because I don't want to take away from Jaden Ivey as a player. I think he's going to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like the way people were talking about Matherin was like, oh, all this dude does is, you know, get to the free throw line and score. It's like, okay, maybe you're right, but why should that be a hindrance to him for what he did for a majority of the season? He was an an amazing scorer, and he was very efficient. So let's not take that away from the kid just because you don't like that he's not a ball ball mover and, like you said, over-criticize his game a little bit. But it's okay. These are rookies. It's okay to be critical of them. They've got a lot of room to grow, and I think this is a very good rookie class. It would have been interesting to see how things had changed and uh, shaked out if Chet Holmgren had been healthy.
3: I completely agree, and that's why when I made that statement about being a bold statement of Mather and making the first team, it was when Chet was healthy. So I, I did feel like the competition would have been a bit stiffer, but to your point of just how talented this draft class is, Chet was the number two overall pick. It didn't play. So this class could be even stronger moving yeah. forward. And you just don't always see draft class uh, of this caliber. So it shows that the Pacers struck gold in this draft when to have two of the, I guess, top 11 rookies, if you want to put it that way. I like to say two of the top 10, but, you know, it is what it is. But maybe this is just a chip on the shoulder of Andrew Nembhard that can fuel him to say, hey, you know what? Some people are sleeping. I got to wake them up.
1: Yeah, and just real quick, I wanted to throw out some of the guys that have also made the second team, All-NBA rookie team for the Pacers, since we can go back and look. It's uh, Danny Granger, Paul George, Jamal Tinsley, Miles Turner, and Chris Duarte. So, you know, it's, it's not like we've had a ton of rookies on these teams, but the ones that usually have been on those teams have been starters or good players. I would say Duarte, it feels like his status with the Pacers is probably the most up in the air, but... Um, other than that, Fachi, we didn't have a whole lot to talk about, but there is some news about the G League partnership, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. I don't know if you saw this or not, but they're moving to Noblesville, which is about 45 minutes out of Indianapolis, and they're going to be getting um, a new name in 2024-2025. So this is really exciting. So for the next two seasons, I guess you could say, uh, yeah, I think, or maybe it'll be, no, next season. It'll be next season when yeah. it goes into effect. They'll be having a new name. They're building a new facility downtown. It looks like in, in Noblesville, eighty-five thousand square foot arena. So it's wow. it's going to be really cool. There's a, a post on it on Pacer Sports and Entertainment on Twitter. But that's a really cool thing. The Mad Ants are getting on a little bit of a uplift here in the in their branding. Going to change your name and their location. So no longer in Fort Wayne. Much easier trip for players that get sent down to the G League.
3: And I think that's what they wanted to kind of encourage for the last few years to make it easier for players to be able to you know be practicing with the team, be able to appear in games, whatever it is to not have the G League feel like such a not to say a demotion, but have it be more accessible for players. So I, I think that this is a great move. I'm very curious to see what name they land on. You know, I was, well, you know, maybe we could do a little bit better than the the Mad Ants, but I understand what what they're going with over there. It's hard to come up with you know a lot of sports names that haven't been taken
1: before but i think that's very encouraging news what would be your best prediction for a name here uh, noblesville as
3: on the spot as against I, I i don't think i can come up with a a good name in this moment what are you
1: thinking man i don't know the, the mad ants is pretty tough i mean they got to be a little bit stronger than an ant right i mean, an ant's I mean a good it's worker. pretty
3: easy to get squished out i mean the mad ants i mean could you think of a smaller you know <laughs> creature you know <laughs> yeah. i mean it it just feels like something you would step on. So um, they, they could do a little bit better than that. I look forward to seeing what they end up going with. And uh, I'm not sure when we'll get an update on that. It'll probably be, I would think, about a year or so.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they would do like the Noblesville Racers or something like that. That used to be a former hockey team, I think, the Indy oh, okay. Racers or something like that just throwing it out there i have no idea i'm just i'm just guessing at this point but it'll be interesting to see what they do i just think like racers and pacers sounds kind of good together because that used to be a thing back in the day so um but with that being said let's go ahead and take a quick break when we come back we're gonna hit our main topic of the show we are ranking the roster because we love to do this stuff and it's stuff i like to do but we're doing it based on uh most likely to be traded to least likely to be traded. So we're going to start with the most, uh, the, with the least likely to be traded and work our way up to the most likely player to be traded on this team. So we'll do that right after the break.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform. at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you.
0: Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, everybody, we are back. and We're going to be ranking
1: the players most likely to be traded to the least likely to be traded, but we're going to start from the bottom and work our way to the top. So 13 players. Obviously, cannot rank the unrestricted free agents, O'Shea set, James Johnson, or George Hill. So they cannot be traded because they are free agents. So we're not going to include them. So you got the 12 that are left on the roster, plus Kendall Brown, who's on a two-way spot. I don't even know if you can trade players on two-way contracts. I want to say you can, but I'm not 100% sure. But they could always just bring them onto the roster too, Focci. So we don't know. We're just going to include them for the exercise with that being said. So at number 13, Fachi. The least likely player to be traded for the Indiana Pacers is? Tyrese Halliburton. Look, the face of the franchise. Think about this. If you're starting a franchise and
3: you're picking a point guard, I really do think he's got to be top two. But here's the thing. There's very, and I mean very few, players that could be justified to be traded, you know, trade Tyrese for. I'm drawing a blank on, on some of those guys. I feel like a Luka or a Giannis comes up. After that, I, I'm sorry because... You look at a guy like Kevin Durant at this point, who's way older, who's had injuries, a guy like LeBron, who's towards the end of his career, that list is very tiny. So I don't know who you could really justify trading Tyrese for unless he's the guy that's asking to be traded.
1: I'll throw a few names out at you. Just tell me what What you would do. All right, Jason Tatum. Ooh, that's real tough. (laughs) That's real tough.
3: That's a guy that's on that list.
1: Okay, Joel Embiid. I wouldn't do it. What what is the reasoning for injuries?
3: As a big man, and just you're always going to need something else. Like Embiid can't do it alone. And I I feel like Embiid's had injury history, real good player, but not a big man.
1: Okay. I think I would probably trade him for Embiid just because Embiid's an MVP level candidate. I mean, he
3: he is the MVP. I I agree. But this is one of those where maybe it's just me being biased, but I don't do that deal.
1: Okay. Nikola Jokic.
3: I don't do it. I don't do it. And I think I think a lot of people could say that I'm crazy for that. And I and I and I would accept that I could be crazy for that. I think you're because,
1: crazy for that. I, I, I would rather yeah. have Jokic and Embiid in my yeah. opinion. Yeah,
3: I mean yeah, Jokic then than Halliburton. Look, every every <laughs> you get every every argument over there. I just feel like if Jokic comes over here, I just I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that okay. one I'll take I'll take back. But I'm not doing it for Embiid. I'm not
1: Okay, Jimmy Butler. No. Devin Booker.
3: Devin Booker is one of those guys that should be on that list. Devin Booker is is a stud. Um, so I feel yeah. like...
1: The shooting numbers in the playoffs this year has yeah, been pretty crazy. Yeah.
3: So I, I feel like I'll take back my comments about Jokic. I feel like it's like Jokic, Tatum, Luka, I'm putting Giannis, you on the spot. And it's very much on the spot. And it's already hot in this room. I'm already starting to sweat. So um, look, so that that's what I'll say over there. That list is like five-ish. Yeah players
1: yeah well it's tough too because it's like what does Halliburton mean to the Pacers he means everything to them so everything right it's not like you're you're just trading the guy that like the Kings had like another guy that they could rely on box to be their ball hand like the Pacers this is the guy they're trying to build the franchise around and so if they move him to get a better player than him what message does that send to the rest of the locker room and it could have a negative effect if they did trade him so I get that but I wasn't really doing a player value thing. I was just more like of course, a trade value thing. But anyway, let's move on. Obviously, the next player, number 12. We have 13 guys we're going through. Least likely to be traded, Ben Matherin.
3: Ben Matherin.
1: Uh, yeah, if it's not Ben Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton is least likely to be traded, I'd be completely shocked. But we both have Halliburton 13, Matherin 12. So let's move on to number 11. Who do you got here, Fudge?
3: I'm going, this is where things could change. It's, and it's,
1: maybe- it's, it's tough right here.
3: And maybe we do have a difference, but I'm going with Miles Turner.
1: I got the same Uh, thing.
3: Okay, because here's the thing. Look, I know Turner has always been in trade rumors, and maybe he always will be, but you made a great point last week. He survived them all. And at this point, he has two years on his contract. If he's not expiring and you want to see this young core take a step forward, Turner's a big part of that because Mm -hmm. this is a guy that he played 62 games last year. Um, that was the most he's played in the last four seasons, but also the Pacers aired on the, the side of precaution. Yeah, they they made sure to not throw him out there if it didn't mean much or if he could get injured. So Turner relatively stayed healthy last year. Uh, the contract is super affordable right now to the point where the Pacers aren't pressed for cash. Doesn't make sense to trade him unless you're going to be getting uh, you know quite the player back in return.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think honestly you can probably make the case he's a top ten center in the NBA. And yeah, I think you can. You know, I I think maybe there's a few guys you would trade him for if the deal was right in terms of, like, upgrading at center. Like, I'm not even going to bring up DeAndre Ayton because I think that's too touchy of a subject, but yeah, there's been some rumors out there that Bam Adebayo could be available. Obviously, I don't think the Heat would do a Bam for Miles straight-up swap, but I think if you kind of look at the styles they play, it it could be interesting to, like, think about Bam with the Pacers compared to Miles because Bam's more of a defensive-minded guy that... Is, uh, is kind of similar to Sabonis, where he can be kind of a a ball mover and, and that kind of thing, where Turner's not really a, a facilitator. But I think Bam is. Bam's got a better jumper than Sabonis and is a much better defender. So I think you could like talk yourself into that because it's like Domas with a little bit of defense. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I could see that as well, but it's, it's very tough. I just don't think Miles really is on the trading block unless something drastic happens where they are able to maybe get Wimbanyama and they consider... Like, okay, we can't play these two together. I don't know. I don't I don't think they would, would do that. But I do think that it's very unlikely that he has dealt within the next two years of his contract. I would be kind of stunned if he was.
3: And even to your point on Bam, Bam's heavily paid. Uh, Turner being, you know, under contract sure. next year for about $21 million, and then the following year, just just under $20 million yeah, is such fair. a team-friendly deal that you don't need to, you know, you don't need to press it. If, if Turner was going to, Hit free agency and the Pacers gave him that eight and tight deal that he got. Then you might be like, "Oh man, like what do we do? How do we get him off the books?" But Mm. you're not going to find a player of his caliber for a better contract than that.
1: Yeah, I want to say Bam's around like thirty-two million right now.
3: I believe it is, and it's only going up while Turner's contract is actually going down. And you're already talking about twelve million dollars less.
1: Yeah, I mean Bam's easily the second best player on that Miami team right now, but Jimmy Butler's pretty darn good at, at carrying. The water for him, but uh, let's move on. Number 10, this is where things are gonna really get interesting. What do you got?
3: Uh, this is where it's just all up in the air, and you know, I'm going TJ McConnell. Oh and my gosh, you, we were thinking of like two guys. Okay. I'll tell, tell you what, look, we know the front office loves TJ, we know the teammates love TJ. He has one year fully guaranteed at just over eight million dollars before it's just five million dollars guaranteed in the final year. That's when I think the Pacers then might be looking to trade McConnell just after this upcoming season because I do think that he still has that veteran leadership a lot that he could help the guys out with, but eventually the Pacers will then want to transition into fully unleashing, you know, a Nemhard and others. Maybe they even bring in a guard in the draft, which they don't need to right now, but it could happen eventually. So yeah. I feel like every team could use a TJ McConnell. This guy's fired up. He wants to win, but I don't see him getting traded this year.
1: I, I kind of put him here, one, because I don't think his value is that great across the league, number one. I think he's just a, a guy that people respect, but not a not a guy that teams are like, oh, I got to get this guy on my roster. That's just how I feel. I could be completely wrong with that. But I also think that the Pacers overvalue him to a certain degree, uh, almost to a fault, because he is a definition of an Indiana player, uh, mm-hmm. undersized, you know, a guy that has to scratch and claw to get to where he needs to get to. And he's done a great job of that. I mean, I don't want to discredit TJ McConnell because I, I went on a rant a couple of weeks ago about, you know, him being the heart and soul of the team. And I still feel very strongly about what I said. I don't think he's that at all, but I do think the franchise views him almost with rose-colored glasses. And yeah. I think they could cut ties with him in a trade, and it would make a lot of sense to kind of let Nimhard and let Halliburton run the show with, with your point guard positions. But I just think that they're so stuck on what TJ means to the organization that they're unwilling to just part with him unless it's in in like a massive trade. I think they're going to do everything they can to hold, hold on to him. And while I don't think it's the worst thing ever, I don't think it's the greatest thing either.
3: I get it. But everybody respects the guy that comes in with a great attitude, works real hard, pushes his teammates. That's everything what you're getting in TJ McConnell. And look, you could see the way that he improved his three-point shooting. That man is putting in the work. He's putting in so many hours that we could never see. So I feel like that work ethic becomes contagious, and that's a lot of the stuff that the Pacers love about McConnell that doesn't show up on the box score.
1: All right, let's keep it moving here. Number 9, who are you going
3: with? I I'm confident we're differing over here because this is it gets really tough because the Pacers don't have many bad contracts at all. Yeah. And one guy who has an extremely good contract to the point where it's not really worth much to the league is Jordan Awara. And okay. you know I'm higher on him than you are, but this is you're talking about just three million dollars expiring. So what's the rush to move on for him when he played real good last year? I love his upside. I think the Pacers could ride it out into free agency. This is someone who, you know, was able to get a basket pretty much what felt like at any point down the stretch in the season. Uh he average 13 points, nearly five boards. shooting, 42% from three. I think he could do that again over a course of a season or at least close to it. Uh, But I don't think there should be much of a rush on the trade at just $3 million remaining on the deal.
1: No, and I get that point. I think it's interesting that they did go out and acquire him at the trade deadline, which would make him an attractive player to keep around. Um, I have him a little bit higher on my list, and I'll explain Mm -hmm. why when I get there. For me at number nine, this is where I have Aaron Neesmith. I I do think that he only has one year left before he hits restricted free agency, so that could make him a little bit more of a valuable person to trade for because he does have that restricted free agency on him, so somebody might want his bird rights. But the way this team gushed about him and how he fits in with what they want, uh, you're going to hear it later. Our fan of the week had a lot of high praise for Aaron Neesmith as well. Um, We're going to close out with that, but Aaron Neesmith is just a guy that really, he is the definition of what the Pacers Want from their players a team player that will do whatever it takes and will do whatever roles ask of him. So, I think that they don't want to really move off of him. I think if I think they could convince themselves that they would be willing to move him if it did, if it did help bring back somebody a little bit better. But I just feel like he doesn't have a high salary and he means more to the Pacers than I would say Jordan Moore probably does long term. So, that is why I have him here at number nine. I just don't feel like they want to move off of him but they would probably do it if it meant the right deal was happening. I don't think they would really hesitate to trade uh, Jordan Moore just because while he's a good offensive player, he does not bring a lot defensively. And I'll just say it now. I think I think a lot of things are going to change in the offseason with Jordan Moore's position. I'm hoping that they address the position he plays in the draft maybe more than once too. So that could yep. mean outside looking in, where are his minutes?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the, the, this team was extremely deficient of threes last year, and I felt like uh, Noara came to the Pacers at a perfect time where playing time was was available for him. But at number eight, that, that's where I have Aaron Eastman. Okay. Biggest. Here's the thing: he took a big leap in year three, and a lot of the points you made are extremely valid. I am in agreement with it. I don't think he could have really done more in his role. But here's the thing: he he showed that. He's more than just a three-point shooter. This guy's a very capable defender while also increasing his three point percentage by 10%. It was like 9.7% increase um, while shooting double the amount of freeze. Started 60 games. Showed that he is a, a could be a good piece of his core. Mm-hmm. But also they addressed in KP's presser, doesn't really view him as a starter. And I I get that. But he's going to have a $5.6 million, $5.6 million next season. Before restricted free agency, so that money could be, you know, combined with another player that maybe we'll mention earlier. Where I think that neesmith fits a lot of teams as a role player, where he just might not be part of the long-term investment for the Pacers on a brand new deal, mm-hmm. but that remains to be seen.
1: No, and I and I understand that logic as well because I do believe that he could be traded uh for the right for the right person. That's yes, what I think exactly. it'll take. It, it won't just be like, oh, we threw him in a trade. Uh, you know, make it yeah. work and bring back somebody that we're not that invested in. But if you're like, well, since we've been talking about it all off season, we'll just use the OG and Anobi example for what yeah. it is. If the Raptors say, no, we want Aaron Eastmith in the OG and Anobi trade. You do it. You don't think twice yes. about it. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a really good player for this team, but you don't think twice about moving off of him for OG and Anobi because you are getting, I think in that, in that situation, a massive upgrade at that position. So, um, for me at number eight, this is where Andrew Nimhard comes in because it was really hard for me to kind of place him on this list because I do think that he could be your most valuable trade chip or one of your most valuable trade chips if you're trying to go out and get somebody. But there is a log jam at point guard. So where does he fit in? Is he a two guard? Is he the backup point guard and McConnell goes to third string and we don't see as much McConnell? I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're probably going to see Nimhart start. I think he'll play with the second unit quite a bit like we talked about with Scott Agnes last week. And you're going to see him probably play close to 25, 30 minutes a game, but he'll play in different roles. So I think the Pacers love him. They value him. He's on a great contract. But I do think that teams across the league know the potential that he has. And I, and I was a little bit stunned today that he didn't make the all-rookie second team by just one vote. And we talked about that earlier, but I think that could almost negatively impact his value just a little bit because you can't say, well, he was on the rookie team. You know, he wasn't a top 10 rookie. He was number 11, but I still think he's got quite a bit of value across the league, especially if you're looking for a guy that can play the one and the two can guard positions one through four and has a really good basketball IQ. I just feel like he's got a ton of value.
3: I think there's a ton of teams that are kicking themselves in the behind that they did not take Nemar when they had the opportunity to, or trade up to get him, whatever whatever it is. I have him at number seven on my list. Okay, so, so I am right over there with you. And, and Alex, I felt like I needed a shower after putting him at seven because <laughs> I felt dirty with myself. But I'll tell you why. And this is what it is: is his contract is so good at, at being under contract for the next few years, at, at you know all years are just under four million dollars. So it's really appealing to any team to be able to get a really good on the ball defender who can shoot threes. It's continuing to grow. The defensive upside is so there. But if you really want to be as aggressive as KP said that the Patriots want to be, Andrew Nemhardt has to be a name that is discussed. And and that's what it might take to get Mm. uh, an all star or a fringe all star level player is, you know, there's going to be, hey, maybe it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Buddy Heald and then an Andrew Nemhardt, or it could, whatever it is, if you need to make salary work. Andrew Nembhard can't be the featured piece, but he could be a piece in there to get the deal done and get it over the finish line. It hurts, but that's how good that he played, that he is valuable around the league.
1: Yeah, and I think what we're doing here, guys, is just trying to find that value of what his value is in the league and what his value is to the Pacers and try to find where that meets in the middle because we know that there's some guys on this team that are probably viewed as untouchable. And we went through a list of guys we would probably trade Halliburton for but those guys aren't going to get traded. So that just shows you how untouchable he is to the Pacers. Now, we didn't do that exercise for Matherin, which I don't want to do that because I don't want to get people upset. But I think that you kind of understand like, okay, we understand that Nimhard is not untouchable at all, but we also know he does bring a lot of value to the Pacers because of what he does on the floor. We also know that if the Pacers want to get better, he might have to be included in that because of your depth at that position. So that's the fine line here with trying to evaluate where he fits, because I do think that more teams would like to trade for him than the guys that you had below him, McConnell, Wara, and Nismith. So, you know, we're trying to find the that balance. That's why we were probably just one place off because, you know, I think the Pacers probably value him a little bit more than maybe you do. I don't know, but I just, I think they value him a ton. And like, I almost had him at number 11 at one point, just because I'm thinking they don't want to trade him. But I do think that he is the potential chip to get you uh somebody back better but at number seven this is where i have jordan mora i already explained why i had him a little bit higher in terms of why i think he could get traded expiring contract three million dollars maybe not a great fit on this team depending on who else they bring in and if they do believe in kendall brown who's on the two-way contract if they do believe in the kids that they draft where does he fit in with this team so I, i think that it's still kind of to be determined where he could fit up with this roster but i heard this front office last year rant and rave about how great terry taylor was analytics said he was
3: horrid raved. it was a, it was a big time rave
1: analytics were through the roof on him they were talking you know basically like this could be thad young type of player and they cut him to bring in jordan mora so obviously they can hype up these guys that are at the bottom of the totem pole a little bit not not all the way at the bottom of the totem pole he wasn't at that point but middle of the pack bench guy, not a for sure starter. They talked to KP talked about him being a starter and how when we gave him more responsibilities, we realized, okay, you know, he can't always do everything we're asking him to do, but I do think there's a good basketball player in there. I just don't think he's super, super valuable to what the team needs moving forward based on what I hope they address in free agency and at the draft.
3: Yeah, I hear you. I just think for Newark, there's, there's, to be teams that are like, you know what, I'm not going to trade anything of value. I might just wait until he hits free agency. So if the Pacers are looking at maybe like a second round pick or something like that, it's like, ah, I don't <laughs> know. It depends where you're at in the season. So who knows? But for, for number six on my list, this is where I pretty much just close my eyes and just slap Kendall Brown on, on, on paper. Yeah, because I did the same I thing. I do not know where to put him. The man has essentially no value around the league. It's not a knock on him. You're a late second round pick. That was hurt, barely got to play, you know, made a couple appearances in the NBA, made, I don't know, it might have been 13 games in the G League. It was was not much more than that. So I don't think that the Pacers should be in any rush to trade him. I don't think that uh, he would bring back any value at this time. So I think you really very much want to see him in the G League. So I'm just going to put him right in the middle.
1: Yeah, this is almost one of those things where it's like you don't really expect the Pacers to move him because he doesn't have any value. But if their roster gets too crowded and they find guys they like a little bit better, he could be cut from the roster. So it is very hard to rank him with this one. I wanted to include him just because I wanted to bring him up in case people forgot about him. Because Kendall Brown is a very interesting player, very great person off the floor. Uh, when you had Scott Drew on after we drafted him, I mean, he couldn't stop ranting and raving about how awesome he was off the floor and how he got to know every single person in in, in Baylor's uh, mm-hmm. I guess you could say organization, whatever, but it's not an organization, but you know, the university, yeah. all the, all the coaches from the ticket sellers, like I mean, everything. So I, I just feel like that is the kind of person he is. The Pacers love that about Kendall Brown. He's an athlete. He's a defensive minded athlete that just has a lot of work to do. So I, I don't feel like he's going to get moved at all. So I had him at six as well, Fachi, but I, I, I think that we're all in here that our top five is the same now let's see how this order shakes out at number five botch what you got
3: this is where it could get very interchangeable i got jalen smith
1: i'm right there with you
3: because here's the thing i mean i I think we'll probably know who could be number four but look for jalen smith at this point it just feels like this man uh it's gonna be hard for him to thrive in indiana it felt like he alternated games with isaiah jackson where at times we just wanted to see them both playing, and it seemed like one night it's Jalen's night, one night it's Isaiah's night, one night it might be Daniel Tice's night, whatever. It was all over the place, but yeah. for Jalen Smith, this is definitely not what he expected when he re-signed in Indiana. He's still just 23 years old, but he needs to get that three-point shot back, because if he doesn't, his value is it's, it's far less than what it once was, and I think that for Jalen Smith that has a player option, I unless things change, I don't see him opting into that. I would think he would rather test free agency, pick a team that he could go to and get more playing time than potentially you know, ride the bench in Indiana again. So uh, I got him at number five.
1: Yeah, I think the Pacers, when they signed him, they believed in his three-point shooting. Yep. Even though the numbers indicated that like the last 10 games of the season they had dipped off. Because you have to remember, yeah. this is the same team that went out after signing Jalen Smith and gave a max contract offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton, who has no outside game. He does not shoot threes, hardly at all. He's a low post kind of guy. He's a he's a rim threat kind of guy. He's a rim runner. He's, a, he's mid-range. He's not going to go outside the three-point line. Why would you pair Jalen Smith and that type of player together? That's because you believe that Jalen Smith was going to be a great three-point shooter, and he was not. And Miles Turner, who had a terrific year from behind the arc, it was almost impossible to play Jalen with them because Jalen was abysmal from three. So Jalen got benched. Isaiah Jackson got this, got the role a little bit in front of him. And then Daniel Tyson ended up, ended up getting it when he got healthy. And then they decided towards the end of the season, we're going to go back and forth. So like you said, Jalen's value to the Pacers, it has died off quite a bit um, from that special Pacers pin that he was signing with. He can still hold on to that, but it ain't that special anymore. So, you know, it's just like the the hype about Jalen Smith last year going out to restaurants and getting their photo taken and sent to me, telling me, hey, I think he could be coming back. You know, Michael Preston, Rick Carlisle, they're at uh, IARIA's, I think is what it's called. And, you know, all I can say is, is Jalen Smith, love the guy as a person. I think he's an awesome human being. I love that he's goofy and just kind of go with the flow. And I think he's a hard player, plays hard most of the time. But man, you can just tell that He's got some holes to his game and I just don't think he really fits here long-term. If anything, he's a backup center that plays 15 to 20 minutes a game at the most.
3: Yeah. And and I think that's kind of what we view him now as. I I think that
1: it was a bold move
3: announcing that he's the starting four before the season even happened. Like it was like the second he resized, like our starting power forward. And it was like, It was really all downhill from there. I don't see a scenario where he is our starting power forward anymore. I think the pictures will address it in free agency, if not the draft. So I would say the draft, and then if not, free agency. Um, But either way, it doesn't spell a good scenario for Jalen Smith in Indiana. Um, So number four on my list, I got Isaiah Jackson. Uh, And I'll tell you why. Look, it feels like this – This town ain't ain't big enough for Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. All right. It feels like only one man is going to be able to come out on top. And a wise man once said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. All right. And there are plenty of guys in this draft that are actually older than Isaiah Jackson. So he's still real young. And I feel like there's still a lot of potential but i really expected more and i think everybody did i think everybody's right to expect more so it feels like this is a make or break year for uh isaiah in indiana and i think that he could very well be included with a pick or two to move up in the draft that's kind of how i see it as like if the pacers really have a shot to get into maybe you know i don't want to say the back end of the lottery but like a top 20 pick i feel like it could take isaiah jackson 26 and whatever it is so I would like to see him work out in Indiana, but uh, I, I do think that we can't say him getting traded is off the table by any means.
1: No, I think I got high hopes from him as well. I think Isaiah Jackson's a really talented young player. And I think with bigs, it does take a little bit longer to develop their skill set because all he's known as is a is a rebounder, go get the rebounds, go block shots, and go dunk the basketball. Yep. We saw flashes of when he takes shots, but at the end of shot clocks, right? It's not something he's just doing regularly, and I think that that does hurt his game. I feel like they've limited him defensively to only being a defensive five. We did see at moments him and Jalen Smith play together, but they were in zone. They were never in man. They never trusted him to guard fours or threes. It was mostly you're in the five spot. We'll switch some, that kind of stuff, but they just didn't really seem to give him the keys to that backup center position. Early on, they did whenever Jalen was starting, but once they pulled him out, putting this in the starting lineup, it was just like a, okay, who's playing tonight. Right. And I think with Isaiah Jackson, while the value is still there, it's a, you know, he's a good young player. I think his value across the league could be very high from, from certain teams. I don't think yeah. every team is going to think it's super high, but I think there are teams out there that believe like, Oh man, this guy blocked seven shots, seven shots in one game, you know, we need a rim protector. Let's go out and get a cheap, young rim protector that maybe we can develop. He's only 20, 21 years old. That is what is beautiful about Isaiah Jackson. Is like It's kind of similar to what the Pacers did when they acquired Neesmith. You got to find that team that's willing to part ways with maybe somebody as they go in a new direction. And Isaiah Jackson could be that guy like, hey, we believe in his potential. Let's add him to our roster.
3: And those teams are out there. I mean, look, we're trying to get our hands on every single 2020 draft pick that you could possibly imagine. So maybe (laughs) someone's trying to collect the 2021 draft class. I don't know. But my confidence in him as a starter in this league, it's disappearing by the day. I just don't know if there's a a team that I could see him be like, hey, Isaiah Jackson, that's your starter,
1: and he's playing 30 minutes
3: a night for you. I, I, I don't think I could see that anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't see it either, and I really didn't love the pick when they took him in the first place, because I'm like, we already have Goga, we've got Domas, we yeah. got Miles, why another big? I understand he does things differently, but why another big? And then this team just is a, is obsessed with bigs. Even when they had Goga, they, they Miles, Jalen, Ijax, <laughs> they went out and gave DeAndre a max contract, so... They were willing to move off of Miles probably, but at that point, it's just like, come on, quit going after Biggs, go after some forwards for for crying out loud. Number three, Fauci, let's move on. Who you got?
3: Number three, I got Buddy Heald. Now, look, the Pacers and Buddy, they got to come to an agreement on his role, and I think they really have to have a serious conversation this offseason. We saw him move to the bench towards the end of the year. He did not look the same. I know Tyrese Halbert was not out there, but – I just kind of got the feeling that Buddy maybe wasn't having that much fun. I know the Pacers were racking up, you know, L's. Now Buddy is – he's in his 30s. I believe he's 30 or 31. He's got just one year left on his contract um, at right around $20 million. If the Pacers are to actually make a move for uh, an all-star caliber player – Buddy's contract is the one that's going to need to be included. He's going to be appealing to teams that a, are looking to improve upon three point shooting and are also not looking to take on a bad contract or numerous players. So I think that he's kind of your ticket to wanting mm-hmm. to make a bigger trade. So with that, I, I kind of don't feel confident the Pacers are going to give Buddy another contract, knowing that you got math in there you want to develop, you got an MR and then whatever draft picks that you might go with that, Buddy, if you sign him to a new contract, you might regret it in terms of he's not going to be happy playing less and less minutes, coming off the bench for a team that might not be a title contender.
1: Yeah, once again, we're in agreement. here. We've pretty much been in agreement this whole entire exercise, which is really funny because I didn't tell you anything before we started. So, you know, Buddy Heald is an interesting player. He is an expiring contract. He does have a lot of value still across the league because his shooting is elite. You know, he doesn't get to where he's at by you know, just being an average shooter. No, he's an elite level shooter. He put the ball in the basket. Defensively, got room to grow. Playmaking could be a little bit better. But I think we saw enough from him to be like, okay, he fits him with this team. I think the Pacers really do value him. But I don't think they value him in terms of like, oh, this is a long-term piece for us. This is a guy that came, came along in the Halliburton trade to make it work financially for both sides. So while it's worked out for the past season and a half with Buddy being here, I think that there's a really good chance he's dealt in the offseason. Maybe, maybe if not at the offseason, at least by the trade deadline. He's yes. I would I would bet my money that he is not here to end the season because of the expiring contract. It would be kind of silly for the Pacers to let another contract expire. I think you gotta take advantage of this and just move him while you can. But that's why I have him at three. And then at number two, Fachi, let's see. Who do you have at number two?
3: Maybe we differentiate at
1: this point. Maybe we don't.
3: I got Daniel Tice at two.
1: Okay, I got Uh, Chris Duarte at number two. Okay,
3: and you could very well flop those. Here's the thing. Tice, I got him over here. Look, when it comes to salary filler, his contract is just enough where if you combine it with a young player, you could make a decent trade happen. He's got $9.1 million left that's guaranteed on his contract. Just seven appearances made last season, only one of which I believe came after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he factors into the Pacers' plans. It just becomes a like, ah, uh, can you move him? Yeah, is there any takers? And you would imagine if you attach the right thing to him, there should be a taker. Maybe it's the, you know, punting on the 29th overall pick and attaching it to Tice and just moving him just to get him off the roster. I don't know what it'll take. Uh, you don't want to give up too much, but that's why I got Tyson number two.
1: Yeah, so I put Duarte at number two just because I think there's a there's a, like a slight chance the Pacers decide yeah. this guy is not worth giving up for because we just drafted him two years ago. So I put Duarte here because I do think that there's going to be a team that talks themselves into him. He's been mm-hmm. very injury-prone throughout his first two seasons. I think that's a big knock. Um, his value to me is higher across the league than Daniel Tice for yeah. sure. Because of because of his contract situation. But I, I think you can make the case that he could be back on the roster next year just because the team doesn't want to give up on him. Now, when it comes to Daniel Tice, who I have a number one, I feel like there is no chance he returns to this roster next year. A, he wants to play for a contender. B, if they really do want to keep investing in their big guys, Jalen Smith, Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson, he, he's not going to play. They already shut him down in, what was it, February? Yeah. Maybe, maybe early March, they shut him down and said, okay, you're done. We're going to go with our young guys and let them finish out the season. So they already shut him down after they let him come back and play for a couple of weeks. So I just feel like the Daniel Tyus era was one of those ones that we'll look back upon and be like, why was he on the roster? But at the end of the day, I think he's going to get moved no matter what. Uh, he does not make sense. they got to consolidate this roster to add on some of these rookies. He is an easy guy to move off of. And I think there's going to be teams – that do talk themselves into, hey, if we can get Daniel Tice as our backup center, maybe if he's attaching another trade, like you can still be like, okay, this guy makes sense. It's it's very similar to what the Pacers did once again last year for Brogdon. He was included with Aaron Neesmith to make the money work. And I think that's exactly how they will utilize his contract once again. And I just, I just think that there's like this, like three to 10% chance that Duarte is back on the roster to start the year just because they don't want to give up on that investment. But I think it'd be silly not to cash in if they can find the trade partner.
3: Yeah, that that's the thing. It's like, look, the Daniel Tice era, it lasted longer than Tristan Thompson era. All right, it was seven appearances compared to four, but either era was not good. But mm. as it relates to Duarte, I, I feel like that ship, it, it's, it's set in sail. I mean, they're, they're saying land, oh, they're going out there. And that ship's sailing because I just feel like with the emergence of Matherin, Namhart, and an already crowded backcourt. Injuries piling up between the toe, the shoulder, the ankle. It's like, I mentioned it before, out of, I think, 172 possible games, uh, he, he's missed. I think he's, he's played like 100 of them. He's missed basically almost half of his games. Yeah, He's missed, like I want to say, like 75% of his games in two seasons. In my gut, I just think that they're ready to trade him just to clear things up and give him an opportunity elsewhere while he still has value so Mm. like the Pacers will probably get Daniel Tice off their roster they probably will but Chris Duarte very well could be traded with him or in addition to him those two players I think have the odds stacked against them to finish next season as a Pacer I I think it's going to be very slim but Duarte right now is still Early enough into his contract and early enough into his career, can't say young enough, but he's not terribly old. Where I feel he's like you old. could, I know, I know, you could swing him in a deal where other teams could say, "Yes, let's let's take a let's take the flyer on a defensive minded three point guard or a guy yeah. that that can guard and shoot three. So either one could be interchangeable.
1: Yeah, so I, there's 164 games total the last two seasons for Chris Duarte. He's played in 101, so he's missed. Mm-hmm. 63 games in, the, in that time. So that makes sense. Now, let me ask you this as we wrap this up, because obviously it's interesting to go through and rank who's the most likely to be traded to the least likely to be traded out of these 13 players. How many of them do you anticipate being moved this off season? Give me a number.
3: Uh,
1: mm, Man, I got You over here thinking just two. Yeah, It might be a two. Okay, yeah. I was my, the first number that came in my head was three. Okay. The so, reason why I'm a little bit lower is because we do have three free agents. So it's like, okay,
3: so if you if you take away, you know, those three free agents, all right, they're gone. You trade two guys. You're clearing up, you know, five roster spots and not, in, not counting the two ways, whatever happens there. Who knows? But I do feel like that gives yourself where you don't want to shake this core up too much. Mm-hmm. But for all we know, there could be one big trade that involves three players right yeah. then and there.
1: So, Yeah, I would put the over-under at three. Just because okay. I feel like you can make the a case. Yeah, I, I just feel like you can make the case. Like, I think Buddy's likely moved. I, I think that Duarte's likely moved, and I think Tice is likely moved. And then you're talking, what about what about Smith? What about Isaiah Jackson? Are those guys likely on the move as well? I can definitely, I definitely think that Jalen's more likely to be traded, but I think that his value is less across the league. So what are you yeah. getting back for him? So this is this would be more like one of those trades that happens like right before the season starts. Like, oh, the Pacers traded Jalen Smith to the Brooklyn Nets like they did Edmund Sumner to create uh, a roster spot to sign on a yeah. player that they need. Something like that. That's to me, is kind of how I kind of see his value right now It's just like outside looking in based on everything that we've been uh, – that we've seen. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. But with that being said, Facha, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll bring on our panel and we can close this one out all right everybody joining us is our fan of the week we're bringing the segment back we brought this thing back more than anything i can remember because we are always leaving it and then bringing it back but we are back and we got adam jameson joining us today fachi adam how are you my man
2: i'm doing well i'm doing well how are you guys doing
1: hey doing great but adam i think we're doing even
3: better now that we have you on really appreciate you supporting us uh i why don't we just start from the beginning? Just tell us how long have you been a Pacer fan? Maybe what's like one of your initial memories uh, that made you a fan?
2: Um, I was a I started watching basketball, Pacer basketball, probably in the early nineties. But the uh, touchstone moment, June first, nineteen ninety four, MSG game five, you know, twenty five points in the fourth quarter. That's when I officially stamped my approval and became a Pacer fan. Reggie just went off and uh, been a Pacer fan ever since. Let me ask you this, because I was I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast today, and I
1: shared this clip on Twitter, got some responses, but not a whole lot, and they were talking about how bad the talent was in the league in the 2013-2014 years, and basically they were saying the Pacers team that beat the Knicks would not even make today's NBA playoffs because of the talent, so first of all, I'm curious your thoughts on that team that pushed LeBron to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2013 with the Miami heat. And then I would love to hear your thoughts on those comments made by Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo.
2: Well, listen, I'm not going to be the guy that says, Oh, you know, just worship everything that happened in the past. And, you know, whatever happened today, you know, is, is trash. I will say that as far as the talent is concerned, I feel like it's, it's just gone by era. And so which, whichever area you're in they're playing the highest level of basketball so that 2013 team man I had great memories from that team loved everybody on that team really wished we could have could have beat those heat I, I, di- I really didn't like those teams and it wasn't a personal thing I just wanted to get past them mm-hmm. but um yeah man I I I, I just think it just goes by era. Whatever era you're in, you're playing the highest level of basketball. And so even now, with you know some of the evolved, you know kind of freaks we've seen with with a Giannis, and you know with some of those guys, I still think that 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 the basketball played even ten years ago is still top level.
3: Yeah, I love the point that you made of like every era is the best at its time because that's true. But also, like let's remember this. That Pacers team in 2013, it's one of the top defensive units in the league, if not number one. I know they were, between those two years, one of those years, they were number one defensively. You also got Paul George giving you over 20 points per game. You got Roy Hibbert, was an all-star. His stats might not have been that great, but that man was a two-time all-star. It's just like there was a lot going on there. And, of course, we had to run into LeBron. As you can make yeah. an argument, that might have been the best LeBron that many people have seen. So I do think to say that we wouldn't be a playoff team I mean, let's just remember that second Eastern Conference Finals appearance. We were the one seed, Right. So, oh, I, I mean, I just feel like that's a bit harsh, but I, I thought you made a great point as it relates to each era is the best. At the 80s, that, they probably thought they were better than the 70s and the 60s, 90s, better than the 80s, and so on. The two early 2000s, we know basketball is <laughs> a little down over there, but I thought it was a great point by you.
2: Yeah, and let's not forget, they had a, you know, future championship coach in Frank Vogel, you know, leading those guys on, along the way. So it it really just comes down to Aerofellas, and, and whatever you have for that period of time, they're playing the best basketball that, you know, on planet Earth pretty much.
1: Yeah, and I mean, one of the points they brought up was like, they're talking about how bad the Knicks roster was, and they were like, Malcolm Brogdon, the sixth man on the Celtics, he'd be like the second best player on that Knicks team. And I'm just like, well, we need to pump the brakes a little bit, just because... <laughs> Even even if Brogdon might have been the second best player on that Knicks team at that point, I just think at the end of the day, it was two totally different styles of basketball. And it's really hard to compare the two eras, but I do enjoy it. But let's get into today's era, because obviously this Pacers team last year won 35 games. They probably exceeded expectations for almost every realistic fan out there. But maybe give me some of your thoughts on what you took away from this season. Oh,
2: man. Um... I'm 100% with you on the exceeding of expectations. I I think Vegas had us at like 25 wins for the season, and we definitely blew past that. I didn't think we were going to get there, um, <laughs> just being realistic. Good, I didn't either. <laughs> but, I mean, you just saw how um, Reese developed, Tyrese developed, you know, as a leader for the team, not only in his game, but as, you know, becoming a leader, becoming the guy that can, you know, re- you know put the troops together and 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 really bring the team forward to a uh, a new era and a new style of play i um i was a little disappointed um that i didn't get to see the famed uh miles turner isaiah jackson front court duo i really wanted to see how that would have gone cuz i'm a believer in isaiah jackson he's one of my favorite players on the team Mm. And I would have loved to have seen what he could have done at the fourth position a little bit more than what we actually got. Um, but besides that, it was really just about the development of the team. Obviously, Benedict Matherin, fantastic first year, you know, and I think I, think I just saw today day he made first team all rookie. So congratulations to him and um, really looking forward to what he can do and what he can bring, hopefully as the uh, starter going forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, I love what we saw out of Math. and I do think at times we're a little bit too hard on rookies saying, like, oh, he needs to develop a three-point shot, he gets better defensively. This guy just made all-rookie first team for the Pacers for the first time since the late 80s when Rick Smith did it. That's how long it's been, and we're still nitpicking little things about his game. So we just got to let him be. But if you had maybe, like, one wish for this offseason for this Pacers team— what would you say to the top of your list of, hey, we either need to add this or we got to make this move? What are you thinking?
2: Well, I, I probably have a two-way tie, I'll be honest okay. with you. Uh, first is going to be adding an impact wing, and not just for the two, but really to play the three, maybe even the four. Um, you guys have talked about them on the show. Cam Whitmore and uh, Jairus Walker, those are probably yeah. my top two guys. Uh, you know, if, we, if we're not in the top three, you know, let's pray we get up there, but if we're not in the top <laughs> three picks... Then uh, those would be the two guys that I would target, and I think you guys talked about it on uh, the free agency show, um, Alex with uh, Cam Johnson. That's yeah. a guy that I liked in the draft, and then I got you know another seal of approval from James Jones, who was a fantastic talent evaluator. He would be a great addition to this team. I don't know what it would take to get him, but I love his game. I love you know everything that he does for winning in basketball. And I think that he would be a really good pacer.
1: Well, a little bit of a spoiler there for you. We are going to do a deep dive on that man right there, Cameron Johnson, later this week. So the one you're referring to is the Pacers group chat where I had people on the show when Fachi was out. Two of my friends come on, and we basically just talked about for one free agent we'd like to go after, and that was one name that was brought up. But we're going to actually do a deep dive on Cam Johnson, the pros and the cons to why he fits this Pacers team. So uh, be on the lookout for that. That'll be the first of our several. Uh, players we're going to cover but i just got to ask you one last question here as we wrap this up you said you've been listening to us you know you support our show and i really appreciate that but how long have you been a listener
2: i don't know when the actual date was it's probably been it's been at least a year and a half I would okay think. nice it Been around that time that. I started listening to you guys. I was looking for uh pacer content because there's not a lot out there for us, but um, I stumbled across your guys' uh podcast and yeah, just been listening pretty religiously ever since. You guys do really good work and I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we definitely appreciate that too. Is there uh, my last question for you? Is there maybe like an
3: interview that we've had, someone that, that's come on the show that you're like, ah, I really enjoyed that one?
2: Oh man, you guys had, I think you guys did one with uh Aaron Naismith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like that interview. That's the one that sticks out to me in my memory right now. And uh, he's a, he just sounds like a really cool guy. And I, I think that, um, you know, I like what he brings to the team. You know, he finished third in, you know, the hustle award this year. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate everything that he does on the floor. He's very selfless and every now and then he'll, he'll, he'll dunk on you. So you gotta yeah, be yeah. careful.
1: <laughs> Fun fact, that episode that we did that interview with him, I had to edit one of my questions out because I totally butchered it. Um, Fachi basically had just asked that question and I was looking up something because someone texted me and I didn't really hear what he said. And I just pretty much repeated the same question and he was just like, Yeah, so like I just said, and I was like, Okay, I gotta take this out. <laughs> <laughs> Telling all myself here, but hey, it's it's all good. So just want to let you know, uh, we haven't really ever talked about this, Fachi, but all of our listeners, like most people that have a following, like their listeners, they give them a name, and I think it'd be perfect for us to kind of establish this now, since our show is called Setting the Pace. If you're a fan of the show and you're a faithful listener, like you said, Adam, you listen religiously. You are hereby now called a pace setter. So, if you are a full time listener of setting the pace, we are now calling you pace setters. So that is going to be our uh, our following, I guess we could say, Fachi. That's what our religious listeners will be called. Because I mean, everybody has that with their different podcasts. So, if, if you guys hate that, maybe we I'm can sure. change it. But pace setters <laughs> sounds pretty cool. I, I like it. What do you think, Adam?
2: Hey, listen, man. If you guys like it, I love it. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, well, I like it. So new.
1: (laughs) So, Adam, you're the first member of the Paysetters to come on since we've established this. So, uh, awesome stuff there. But uh, you know how we close out this show. So, uh, you got to do it better than Focci because we know Focci brings the energy every time we close out the show. But, Adam, if you're you're excited for this Indiana Pacers offseason and how they can grow this roster and rebuild this team, then hit me with those three words.
2: Let's go, Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop smooth.
0: Mm-hmm.